0: You're listening to Panthers on tap. I'm Curtis round joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self promotion, stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. The bye week has come and gone and it's time to get back to Panthers football. Carolina is still scratching and clawing to get their first win. Bryson, did you enjoy the bye week with no loss? I did.
1: It was very nice uh a stress-free weekend. Uh you know, no loss to worry about, you know, besides uh, probably a potential loss to you in golf. Uh, you know, I think there was a little miscount there at the end and we ended up tying, but I'll take the tie. Uh, but other than that, it was nice, you know, getting getting out not having to worry about watching my team (laughs) embarrass me on national television. So yeah. Uh, pretty good weekend.
0: Yeah. That was a good golf trip. Almost killed the guy in the process, but (laughs) (laughs) we got out of there and, I'll tell you what; those greens were some of the best greens I've been on up in Whitsett, North Carolina, right over by the Red Oak Brewery there, just outside of Greensboro. If you check it out, kind of a redneck area, but yeah. the those greens, man, they were there were some spectacular for this time of year. Well, we got a good show for you guys tonight. We got Ricky Rains back with us on the Panthers on Tap podcast. He's a contributor for Cat Cray blog. He also has a podcast of his own, Kitty Lit Podcast. Ricky, it is good to have you back. Good to see you.
2: Yeah, man. I'm excited to be back. I appreciate y'all asking me. How y'all doing tonight?
0: Wonderful. Good, man. We're ready to talk football. I mean, I think we're a little bit more hyped than you probably should be at 0-6, but here we are. We're trying to write down.
2: isn't that the beautiful thing though about the bye week is that like you get this like mental break and you kind of forget what your team looked like before the break and now we've got thomas Brown's changeover we got a couple of people coming back from injury it almost feels like hey man we got a start of the season here we got a couple of easy opponents
0: man let's get busy you know yeah it's it's a it's a whole new restart it seems yeah. like it's such a refresher well let's get into the injuries here yeah um, because that's a big one. This week, obviously, the biggest news um, of the day is Austin Corbett being activated. We got Jeremy Chin, Eter Gross Matos, and then Giovanni Ricci going to IR. So the, the hits keep con- coming on the injury end, but Corbett's presence back in this lineup I think is going to uh, prove pivotal here for this offensive line and for Bryce Young. But let's talk about it a little bit Um just your initial thoughts, Ricky, on on some of the moves made today, yeah, so the initial
2: one that stands out right is exactly what you said, Austin Corbett coming back. um the interior offensive line has been mean, to say bad would be like really, really polite and kind of me. um it's been detrimental to the well-being of our franchise quarterback, you know, like um when you've got a five foot ten quarterback, and i don't know if you guys have heard but we do i know that no one really talks about that much but we do have a shorter and stature quarterback the interior of that offensive line is super important man he he does his best work manipulating with inside the pocket as opposed to being a pure scrambler outside his one of the things that he needs to be able to do is to climb that pocket and to finish with his lower half of his body when he is trying on some of these deep throws that he's been struggling with i think that if you can give him that little bit of extra time You see a different price. As far as the run game, I mean, we've been running these inside zones directly into our guards' ass the entire time, right? So at least now if you have a guard that can go a couple of yards before you run into him as opposed to being pushed backwards, maybe you get a little bit more room there as well. And you could also just not keep playing Miles Sanders as much, but that's a whole different situation. Um, The YGM injury, I think that sucks, man. I think that he has been playing – Probably the best football of his career so far this season. And it's kind of funny because this was the year that everyone was all the way down on him, right? And it's not that he's been standing out from a production standpoint with sacks. I think he has two and a half, maybe three on the year. Um, But he's just been consistent, man. He's not getting tossed around out there. He is getting a little bit of pressure. And we don't have anybody outside of Burns that's doing that. So it, it stood out a little bit. We know that he's the edge setter for us on the outside over there. We've been getting demolished in the run. So if you're telling me we're going to lose one of our best outside run defenders on that front, that's worrisome for me. Um, Jeremy Chin, I think we had an idea it was happening, right? We knew that it was relatively severe. He's playing like 48% of the snaps anyways. It sucks, man. Like he's a weapon. And I, if we were utilizing him the right way, I would be more bummed out about that loss than I am. But I just don't know that that is a significant thing at this juncture. Um yeah, so, I mean, that's probably the way that I feel about most of that. The Gio Ricci, eh, yeah.
0: Special <laughs> teams.
2: He's great, on special teams. He's great on special teams, but I think that Tommy Tremble can fill in and play that role too, man. I, I I don't think that Gio does anything particularly better than somebody else
0: can do adequately, if that makes sense. Bryson, what would you think of really a busy Tuesday uh, as far as the depth chart's concerned? Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, Ricky. Ricky really covered a lot of it. I, I just, you know, I, I am excited to get Corbett back. I do think that he brings an edge to the offensive line. Really, the vocal leader of that offensive room, offensive line room. So uh, it's exciting to get him back, and hopefully, he sets the tone. Uh, I am interested to see what what they do with the left guard position. Uh, who they put there? Uh, is it Throck Morton? They, they move over, or uh, you know, Zavala, or or whatever they do there. That's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I know they did sign a. a uh, I think he's a tackle though from the Eagles. Uh, don't even know the guy's name, honestly. But uh, they signed him from their practice. Brett Toth.
0: Brett Toth. Toth, yeah.
1: So I don't know if they have plans for him at guard or not. But uh, but I thought I think Throckmorton's been serviceable uh, mostly throughout his time in Carolina. So I think that they might try to transition him to left guard, or maybe they go with Zavala if he's healthy. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there, but. Um, yeah, just excited to get him back. Losing YGM sucks, man. I don't really know how else to put it, but uh, he Do has you been. we're
0: saying that right now. I mean, in July yeah. we we're talking about Crazy. this guy might be not even making the roster, and right here we are hoping YGM is back. Yeah, he, uh,
1: like Ricky said, he's been having his best year, uh, and you know I think he got a lot of shit coming into this year when he had that presser and he was he kind of gave the fans some shit about you know booing him or saying that he's bad, and mm-hmm. he's really come out and. and he hasn't played spectacular like he's, you know, earning an next contract, but he has been the best run defending edge that we have on this team, and losing him is is going to be a big loss, uh, especially in the run game. Um, maybe Marquise Haynes, like we talked about last week, Curtis is coming back. I mean, I don't really know what's going on with him. They don't really talk about him. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the deal is there. But uh, getting Marquise Haynes back would would definitely help uh, pass rush wise. Probably not very much run run defense wise, which is where yeah. they really struggle significantly. But um, and then Giovanni Ricci, I know that's your guy, Curtis. I know you. I know you like Giovanni Ricci. Uh, yeah. I'm which he guy. last year he did flash. Uh, you know he he has made some some significant catches on offense in the past, but uh, you just really haven't seen much of him this year. So I don't really know if that's a huge loss. Uh, I think for Jeremy Chin though, I feel like you know he was on the verge of getting traded. I would not be surprised. Should have been an would. eagle.
0: Should yeah, have been an
1: if, eagle. If, if he was instead of Kevin Byard, which I believe, uh, you know, I wholeheartedly believe Kevin Byard is a better player than Jeremy Chin. But yeah, uh, J- Jeremy Chin, I, I feel like the Eagles have been wanting Jeremy Chin since he's been drafted by Carolina. It seems like every year they talk about wanting Jeremy Chin. I see stories like it, like that uh, that have come out. So uh, I, I do think that he he might be an eagle right now if he if you w- didn't get injured. Uh, so and that kind of sucks for him because he's not in a situation where he's being used correctly and i do think he's still a good player he's just kind of wore out his welcome in carolina and uh and i think that a fresh start would be good for him so yeah all around i don't know what the hell's going on in carolina with these injuries but uh please stop we've had enough (laughs) uh no no more please (laughs) please
0: yeah, I wanted to go off a little bit because, I, Bryson, I don't know if we've ever been on the record talking about this, but I know watching games with you, we've talked and texted about it. Um, but it just seems like, and I don't know if it's just staff, but it just has come up since Frank Reich is coming board. But there has just been secret injuries, it seems like, where they, they just pop up out of nowhere. And I tweeted about it today because I'm at the point where I'm tired of seeing it. And it started with Miles Sanders in preseason where he went out for a week and then all of a sudden he doesn't play the rest of the preseason. And, you know, Frank, when he initially said, it was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, it doesn't seem anything a big deal. And here we are and Miles Sanders doesn't play in preseason. You have Bryce Young getting injured in the Atlanta game. No one knows when that injury happened. Just out of nowhere, he popped up on the injury report. The Brady Christensen injury popped up after the fact. No one knew about it on Sunday after the game. No reporters asked about it. Then you have the Jeremy Chin injury. No one knew he was hurt. Comes out, we end up finding out. You know, in Frank's presser on a Monday that Jeremy Chin is hurt, and YGM. And I don't know how they're doing things, but I know this wasn't <laughs> how it was with Matt Rule in his regime. It was pretty straightforward. It seemed like with injuries, and for this, that's the one gripe I have about this. I mean, there are several gripes, but there, this is the one. I was going to say, man, you're doing not, well. If that's the only is one is gripe you got. Me, man, because <laughs> it's like man, because uh, it's just out of nowhere. And a lot of these reporters, most of the time, these beat reporters pick up on stuff like that. But, I mean, these things are just going – they're getting yeah. you know, shoved under the rug and then all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, these guys are going higher. hour. So yeah. that's just been frustrating for me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of that, and I hope – hope they become more forthright with all this because it's just you get blindsided by the shit it gets annoying after a while but i had to go on a little soapbox there because that 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 was a good. good one um but i bryson you talked about it i i was just curious for you ricky is who who would you like to see at that left guard spot are you a fan do you have one way or another between Zavala or Cade Mays or Throckmorton or any of those guys?
2: Man, if this was like four weeks ago, I would have told you that I would have stuck with Chandler Zavala and and let that develop because I, I think that I always envisioned that progressing in a week by week kind of mode. Sort of like the the whole uh trajectory for this team, in my honest opinion. I anticipated everybody being at their worst at the very beginning of this year and us getting better. We're a new team and a new system with a bunch of new you know, pieces. Um, after seeing him play six weeks, I don't know that you can put him back out there if you're trying to yield the best offensive line that you can going forward. Um, I think that Calvin Throckmorton is, as you said, serviceable, possibly, that was also on the right side when he has Taylor Moten kind of stabilizing him. I think you move him over to the left side and he plays with Icky, who is kind of battling his own demons so far this season. That is a recipe for disaster too, kind of. Um, I would be almost inclined to try Kate Mays because I thought that he looked relatively solid in his last two starts that he's been playing. Um, I... I I don't know, man. It's kind of like a six one way half dozen the other of dog shit, really, if you think about it, man. And that's not I'm not trying to, like, hammer on to the players. But from an outlook standpoint, we don't have a really good answer right now, man. And there's not going to be a good answer for the rest of the year. Uh, We got to bank on Corbett having that much of an impact that one of these guys and Corbett may end up moving over to that left side, to be completely honest. I was actually going to ask that. I, I think that that's a really viable strategy. I don't know that he necessarily starts there, and I don't know when he comes back, man. Like, they activated him. I'm not 100% sure that he's going to play on Sunday against the Texans. Um, it sounded like they just didn't want to keep him out of that window, right? They didn't want to put him back on IR. Um, I think that even when he comes back, man, maybe he doesn't – maybe he's not ramped up all the way when he, when he comes back. Um, I would put him on that right side as opposed to making him pick up some slack on the left side, at least for the first game or two. If they seem to be confident with him, slide him over, man. Let him play with Icky, and then let Calvin stay over there on the right side. Maybe that works out. Savala even looked okay on that right side, right? Yeah. So I think that you can hide things a little bit better over there on
0: that side. And
2: Bryce's protection on the left, yeah, let's solidify it.
0: What what, what has happened with Nash Jensen? Was he injured too? Like that guy kind of just disappeared, question. and I feel like yeah, that's, that's a
2: great question. I have no waiting. idea, man. Like there was. Yeah, you're right. There was conversation about him being a possible candidate to start the season, right? And now the most thing you hear about depth on this offensive line is every time that Justin McCray is released or picked back up. (laughs) Like, that's pretty much it. It's the revolving Justin McCray door. That's the depth of this offensive line. Um, Nash Jensen, maybe they're just not as high on him as they led people on to believe in the preseason and in camp which again goes to your point about the messaging from this coaching staff in front office. There's a lot of coach speak that I think was interpreted originally as being forthright and honest with people and transparent. And now we're starting to see a little bit of a um, pattern, man, that (laughs) everything isn't exactly as they're selling it.
1: You know, I I think there's been a lot of heat going around in Carolina uh, for coaches and uh, scouting and GMs and owners. And one guy that's kind of flown under the radar is James Campen. Uh, he yeah. he's one of the few coaches that stuck around from Rule, and uh, we've seen Icky take a step back in the second year. We've seen Zavala struggle his rookie year. We've seen Bradley Bozeman struggle mightily this year, uh, and then the right guard position's been a revolving door. I mean, Taylor Moten's even taken a step back this year, right? Uh, in relation to other years, so I don't know if James Campen is uh, is is the the guy that we thought he was or the coach, this all-star offensive line coach that, you know, everybody wants to make him out to be because we haven't been seeing the results uh, yeah. in Carolina. This, this offensive line as a whole has taken a step back and it's frustrating. And uh, I guess it, it is fair to say that pretty much the whole team has taken a step back. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not just him and I'm singling them out for no reason. But uh, when, when I got my rookie franchise quarterback that I traded the farm to trade up and get, I need that offensive line to be, Tip top, you know, yeah, I get there's injuries, but be on your game, like be on your game. And and, and they have not been. So I think James Campin kind of needs his name starts to get tossed around a little bit as to coaches that are catching some heat.
2: Well, and they didn't make any moves right on the offensive line. So when you talk about you draft your franchise quarterback, you do kind of bank on Campen at that point is what they Mm -hmm. said, essentially, without saying it in the open. Right. They brought him back because he did a really nice job with his offensive unit last year. Um, they ran a different blocking scheme last year. Um, we know that they're running more of a zone scheme right now. I know that Thomas Brown has come out and said, hey, a scheme is a scheme. These guys are professionals. They should be out there blocking. And James Campen has a really good history, man, of his time with the Packers, of teaching individual linemen to play to their strengths. He doesn't teach a across-the-board strategy. Um, That's always been one of the things that he's been revered for is the way that he can dial it in with individual players. I think that's why there was so much optimism about Icky because Icky had obvious shortcomings, but he had a coach that understood that and could kind of game plan for it. We haven't seen that come to fruition. So it's disappointing, and I don't think that it's off base to, look, man, I think every single person should be held accountable if their particular unit is underplaying and underperforming. I don't think that that is wrong for fans to... To question, you know, like, why, why should somebody get a pass because they did something well last year for us? It, it's a, what have you done for me lately, league? It doesn't mean being hasty, but it does – accountability is a thing, man. And I, I think that it's uh, appropriate to ask those questions.
0: Let's talk about Thomas Brown here because that's the big transition this week. He's had two weeks to prepare now coming into Houston. What do you guys expect – differently from this offense when it in terms of schemes motions um you know going for it two minute offense when are we going no huddle that type of thing what what do we what should we see differently from uh thomas brown versus frank Wright? i'll kind of just open it up whoever yeah, to go for to it bryson
1: yeah i um you know i want to believe that we're going to see a totally different offense and things are going to be significantly improved. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be, which I want to be hopeful so bad. And I, I kind of am a little bit, but I just, I have a hard time until I see it with my own eyes, really like buying into that. Uh, I do, I do think Thomas Brown is going to be a better offensive coordinator than what Frank Reich has been. I just don't know how much better that's going to be uh, one because of the uh collection of talent that we have on this offense. Uh, the wide receivers we know are not good except for Adam Thielen and uh, Migo still growing. And um, the tight ends have been non-existent. Uh, the running backs, hopefully they stick with Chupa, but I don't know. It sounds like they're not committed to any running back right now. Um, so I, you know, I, I do think you'll see more motion. And I think you'll see more trust in Bryce because of Thomas Brown's love for him. Uh, I think you'll see more, you know, deep shots down the field. Uh, or at least schemed up deep shots down the field, uh, but I don't know. I, I I just don't know if it's going to be if the n- numbers wise, stats wise, if it's going to be a better offense. Yeah. Uh, because I think Frank Reich's mm-hmm. offense has improved every week. Uh, you know, it, it technically it's the high scoring offense in the MC South, which is you know the prettiest turd of <laughs> of, of the bunch. But uh, you know, I. Thomas Brown, you know, obviously uh, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator in Carolina. We don't really know what he's going to do with Bryce, uh, but I I am excited to to see potentially a a different offense. But even like from pressers, you know, I think what the way Frank put it, which we talked about last week, Curtis was, you know, he's going to put his personality in it, but it's not it's not like a whole new install. It's going to be the same offense essentially, just you know, a little different quirks here and there. And I think that's where the motion comes in. I think that. Uh, Maybe some more up-tempo. I think he's even mentioned that Thomas Brown has uh, running some more up-tempo where Bryce is more comfortable. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know. I'm just a little skeptical at at this point.
2: Yeah. So I had the um, fortunate opportunity to sit down and and have the same discussion this morning with DJ Chark. Um, And what he said was what I have been kind of guesstimating about And it's that the offense is the offense like the the playbook is a collaborative effort between thomas brown frank Reich, parks frazier jim caldwell like these guys sat down and they made this playbook we're not installing a new playbook in a week and a half in the bye week right what what we will see and this is what dj said that he expected to see is maybe one of the main differences is the personnel groupings in some of these formations I think that you're going to see Thomas Brown using players more to their um, natural aspects and abilities and what they excel at and ways to get them having fun and enjoying the game of football again. Um, So one thing that I really do look for is we talk about Jonathan Mingo and his development. I think those motion concepts that the Rams are so known for, um, even the Texans that we play this week with Bobby Slowick, he's using them like 60% of the time. That's something I think that Mingo could really benefit from because he's got these physical abilities. But if you're keeping him lined up in, in, you know, solitary where he's not getting a head start, you see these cheat motions that they run with Tyreek Hill and uh, Jaden Reed, the rookie in Green Bay. They're getting this head start, man, of the most dynamic player on the field so that they can get in space. And space is exactly what Jonathan Mingo needs to get his yards after catch ability out in the open. With that, when he starts opening up that intermediate level, that secondary level of the defense, that opens that top up, man, because you're keeping those safeties honest. If you can clear that top, that's where DJ Chark can eat. DJ Chark is one of the better. He's not getting a ton of separation, man. Like that's that's something that in the last 3 years of his career, he has not been doing. He's not been winning on his releases. He spoke about that today on the podcast as well, that that's something he is very focused on right now is cleaning up his route tree and his breaks and releases. But where he wins is these contested catches. You get him one-on-one situations, you take that shot for him. Now, Bryce has took it a couple this year, and he's missed, right? He's missed on a couple to DJ. Um, I anticipate this being a much better balanced offense, first of all. More motion, more play action. But it's going to be the same concepts, man. It's just going to be different personnel, different sequencing. They've got six games of film right now on Frank Reich in this Panthers offense. That goes away, essentially. They're going to know the concepts. They're going to know the formations and the alignments. They don't know how Thomas is going to use that, when he's going to call that. Tendencies and sequencing will change. Those third down situations that Frank has really struggled with, in my opinion, those change. So that's where my optimism comes. But I don't think that this is a new offense. I think it's a new approach to the offense.
0: Yeah, I think it's a new flavor. Just a mm-hmm. new flavor. You're going to get a little bit of mix of Sean McVay. You're obviously going to get, um, you know, Frank Reich's tendencies in there. I think I'm curious to see how much input uh, uh, Frazier is going to have with this. I know, and him and he, Frank talked about this a couple of weeks ago that they dial, him and Thomas Brown dialed up that deep shot in that Seattle game. Yep. I'm wondering if he's going to have a little bit more say too now. Yep. So I'm curious to see what kind of involvement he's going to have. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Miles Sanders because – and I think, Ricky, you tweeted you sure about that? this. <laughs> you, you tweeted about this over uh, these last couple of days. But Frank on Monday had an interesting quote, and they had asked him just about Miles Sanders and how he's progressing. And he said, Chuba looked good. Ob- obviously, we love Miles, and Miles has continued to make progress. Um, And then he talked about doing a little bit by committee of the running uh, the run game. (laughs) I mean, for how successful Chuba Hubbard has been and in his, his first start when Sanders was out has really brought this run game to life. I think it would be asinine and crazy to go in there and throw miles Sanders right back in the mix as the starter and push Chuba aside. I just think it's crazy. And why, kill that momentum that's created over this last game. Mm
2: -hmm. So here's my thought, my train of thought on that, right? It seems almost like he's trying to avoid hurting Miles's feelings by saying, we're going to continue on with this committee approach. And and that's okay, man. A lot of coaches do that. But what he's not doing is carrying over that confidence that Chuba has literally instilled in the offense and in the ground game. And has proven worthy of getting some, you know, commendation from his coach saying, look, man, this guy has gone out there and he's busted his ass and he's proved it over and over again that he is a consistent contributor on the ground. He fights through tackles. He's pass protection. He's doing really well with his duties in that. He's catching the ball well out of the backfield. And that's a part of his game that I think everyone had circled as that's what lacks with him. Then he gains 20 pounds of functional strength and he's still explosive. I don't see how outside of the contractual obligations you could ever look at Miles Sanders performance this year. I'm not talking about Miles Sanders as the player. I, I, I don't think that he's a trash player, man. Like I think that that's a little bit overblown. The dude ran for a thousand yards. Yeah. The Eagles offensive line is really good, but he still ran for a thousand yards. That's not something you just wake up and do. Right. Um, I just don't think that right now, either he's hundred percent healthy or that he's playing with any kind of confidence. And that that kind of player right now would be better suited as a change of pace and a complimentary back, and let Chuba do the groundwork. No pun intended.
0: Well, yeah, and let him build his confidence back and ride the hot hand right now. It. Like, why don't if you if you if know you give I
2: mean. him ten touches a game? If you give Miles Sanders ten touches a game, situational touches, right? How does that hurt him, man? Like. What if he puts 70 yards together on his 10 touches and he looks explosive and dynamic? Let him get comfortable with it again. Let him see where he wins. Because right now he hasn't seen himself win in five games. He's been shut down every single thing that he's tried to do. He's indecisive. His, his feet are choppy. I just think that he is doubting himself, man. And that's a really hard thing for players to get out of their own head once they get that deep in it.
1: Yeah, I I have been the world's biggest Chuba Hubber hater. Um, I... <laughs> Even coming into this season, I thought he was the third best running back on this team behind Raheem Blackshear. Uh, he is clearly the best running back on this team right now. I mean, there's no way around it. Uh, I was completely wrong. I you know, I admit that. Uh, I even thought Blackshear, uh, that you know, in our last game showed more explicitness than Miles Sanders has showed all year. Yeah, did. And uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the non commitment or the I don't know, he's scared, like you say, Ricky, to to hurt Miles' feelings um, in regards to that or or scared to hurt Scott Fitter's feelings who gave him that big contract to bring him in.
2: Yeah. Or,
1: or even Deuce Staley, who is in charge of the running back's rotation and continues to put Miles Sanders number right. one. That's um, right. So I, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I do think Miles right now is the third best running back on this team. And uh, not to say that's going to be the case always uh, right. because, you know, once he does get his – his confidence back, maybe he does become the, the, he goes back into the starting role and the becomes the player that we paid millions of dollars for on the football. So um, I, I think at this point in time, it's, it's just hard to take you seriously. When we watch Chuba Hubbard, you know, have the best game as a running back this season um, for the Carolina Panthers. And then our next game, take him and, and move him to number two when uh, the starting guy has struggled all year and not had a game close to what Chuba Hubbard had. Yep. And uh, I, I just, I, I can't take you seriously at that point. So um, I'm hoping that they, you know, e- I guess even if they do like a, a committee and it's 50, more of a 50-50 split than I think it's been like a 70-30 when Miles yep. has been playing uh, a 50-50. Hey, all- sometimes,
2: right? Like there are some games that yeah. Chuba was getting like two touches, two carries in a game.
1: Exactly, yeah. So it's, if if, if they do commit to a 50-50, you know, I, I guess I, I have to be happy with that, but I still I think Chuba should be getting the majority of the carries and maybe Miles goes into a third down back role, which might fit his, you know, his play style and yep. abilities better. Uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. I do think that he's still a very good running back out of the backfield catching the ball. And, mm-hmm. and like you say, Ricky, Chuba has improved significantly this season doing that. Um, yep. That was my biggest gripe with him was the man can't catch the ball. And he yep. has, I can't remember the last pass he's dropped this season. Yep. So uh, yep. I, I've been very impressed. Uh, I've been on record saying I was wrong about him. And, uh, you know, I guess our best – one of our best late-round draft picks in Chuba Hubbard, we can credit Matt Rule's wife uh,
0: <laughs> Going kind of over to the defense, just popped in my head while you guys were talking. Did you expect this defense to be this bad this year? Like, I felt like the defense was supposed to be the stronghold of this team. You obviously have Ajiro Evero coming in who's, you know, had some interviews as a head coach already as a candidate. And obviously injuries have played a major role of, of how things have gone. But even before that, I feel like the defense still didn't look up to par of what we expected with this new system. Yeah. Personnel is very clunky
2: for the system that Evero is trying to run. One of the things that rubbed me really wrong about the start of the tenure of this coaching staff was the trying to sell fans on the fact that they didn't need a true nose tackle to operate this this defensive system. They said that it was all about the versatility and getting after the pass rusher and, you know, a big guy, big body, girthy guy can't provide them that. But what he can provide is somebody to occupy multiple blocks and to fill gaps and lanes and allow the linebackers who are diminutive on this team. We do not have big, stocky, physical linebackers on this team. Even when Shaq was healthy, and Shaq is a terrific run-defending linebacker, but he's like the only one on our team that is a terrific run-defending linebacker. So if he goes down and you fill his shoes with Camus Grugier-Hill that we all loved in the, in the preseason, still love his coverage ability, he's not a run defender. He's having a really, really hard time out there with that. Frankie Luvu is losing a little bit of his pizzazz because they're asking him to play the Shaq Thompson role where he's not able to get after the pass rusher. I think he's been rushing the passer on like 10% of snaps in the last four games since Shaq has been hurt. Before that, it was like in the 30, I think, range. It, that's a significant difference when you take off that dynamic ability of Frankie Luvu and turn him into a you know, identify the the run fits and get in there and just occupy area as opposed to getting after and making plays. Our secondary is very hurt without J.C. Horn. It doesn't matter if everyone else is healthy. J.C. Horn is the the thing that turns that entire wheel, right? Um, The safeties, dude, I mean, what are you going to do, man? Von Bell was one of our biggest additions, and he's gone. Xavier Woods was – He's not remarkable last year, but he was super steady. You don't talk about guys that are really steady, and that's kind of a good thing. Xavier Woods doesn't get a whole lot of accolades for his play, but he also doesn't get a whole lot of finger pointing. I'm cool with that at one position if you get a Von Bell on the other side and you've got J.C. Horn and some of these playmakers in front of him. When all those guys are gone and you're asking Shy Tuttle, Deshaun Williams, and Camus Gruje hill and C.J. Henderson to carry the load on this defense – that's a tall task, man. And and they're also just not running the right system for the personnel that they have. But what do they do now? Right? They've already said that they don't need it. So now it's kind why of why are we seeing
0: Dion Jones more though? I feel like he man. fit more of the that middle linebacker role so you can kind of free up Frankie I, Luvu. I'll be I don't you. know. I just Dude,
2: I'll be completely honest about Deion Jones. I think that he fit his role of not being on an NFL team a little bit better than he fits the role that he's playing right now. I'm not trying to be mean, man, but Deion Jones has aged quick. And he was never a very physical guy anyways. He got in trouble a lot in Atlanta and his brief stint in Cleveland with his eyes. He would lock in and he he would be easily identifiable that he was locking in on what that quarterback was doing. And that quarterback would look him away and he'd be screwed. That's still happening, but he's also being tasked with more run defense, which that ain't it, man. I've seen him get stiff armed across the field at least three times in the past two games. And that's rough to watch, man. Like, I saw Icky do it to a Dolphins defender the other day, and I loved it. You know, I still laugh at that. I pull up that play every now and then and kind of chuckle at it when I'm thinking about being 0 at six. But it's not cool when four plays later, you see them do that to Deion Jones. Like, ah, shit, we're doing the same. We're putting the same idiots out there as they are. Like, you know, so. I, I just think that there is some decision-making, man, that has been a little bit clunky for me. And I don't know that we have the resources right now to change any of that. So you kind of ride the lightning.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think the struggles on defense started with the cutting of Marquand McCall. Uh, uh-huh. Randomly, one day we got the notification and our nose tackle was gone.
0: Starting those tackles. I think we had Ricky on that episode. I thought, I think it was around. Yeah, at, yeah, uh, yeah. 100%. That's right. I, I do
2: remember that. I, yeah, and, I, wrote, uh, I wrote a couple things about that, man. And I, I talked to Marquand not too long ago, man. I talked to him about two weeks ago. And he was talking about how he's healthy. And he's like, let them say it however they want to, man. He's like, but I'm good to go. Wow.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I
1: was a huge fan of, of Marquand's. I, I liked his game. I thought he, you know, he, he came in and really showed burst his, his first year with the team and was really going to fill into his starting role, you know, next year. And uh, they're like, nah, we're good. We, we got Deshaun Williams and Shai Tuttle. So uh, who have absolutely struggled and uh, lead the uh, 31st rush defense in the NFL. So um, yeah, we're, we're, not doing great on, on, on that side of things on the ball uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, the defensive line is relatively healthy for the most part. I'm um, missing some, YGM now, uh, missing Marquis Haynes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's been relatively healthy and struggled uh, to, to do what they need to do in the run game um, or in run, run defense. Uh, of course, you know, losing Chak is a huge hit. You know, your vocal leader on the defense mm-hmm. who's been here for years, who took a pay cut to, to be with the team. Um, that really sucked. Uh, you know, if, like Ricky said, it's kind of taken away Louvu's really, I guess just even playmaking ability because he's got so many other tasks to do now and it sucks because he's such an electric player when he's in that role that he was in uh, previously. And then, yeah, I mean, don't even get me started on eight, uh, JC Horn. Uh, he's a part-time employee for the Carolina Panthers. He's not even eligible for benefits because he doesn't work enough hours. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go down that road, but, uh, I, I think, you know, obviously not having him, he, he's elite when he's on the field, there's, there's no denying that, but rarely on the field, and being down two starting safeties, I mean, there's really, yeah, I think Ebro deserves some blame, like we talked about earlier with Campin, but, you know, at the defensive ball, the side of the ball has been decimated, uh, you yeah. know, not, not including the defensive line, but decimated from linebackers back, and, you know, hopefully they get healthy throughout the year. But you know, a lot of these guys are, are done. I was yeah. Von, I can't I can't remember when Ricky was talking, I was trying to remember. Was Von Bell placed on IR?
2: No. Um I think so. I believe I, so. that Frank on Monday said that he would update about Von Bell, Xavier Woods, and JC Horn on Wednesday when guys were back. Um they're not back okay. until tomorrow. So I think that they are waiting until they get them in the building and then we should hopefully get some updates on them.
1: Yeah, I mean that that would be nice to, to get those guys back versus yeah. a, a rookie quarterback who's on fire right now and Absolutely. Uh, a scheme that's looking amazing. So, yep. um, yeah, I obviously the injuries have played a role into the defense that I think curse us prior to, you know, going into the season, we asked, we had the question for, for each of us, if this was going to be a top five defense. And I think I said that it was going to be like a top five to 10 defense uh, based off of, you know, what's on paper. And I really believe that. And I, it makes me sick to think about where we're at right now. So uh, unfortunately, you know, injuries are a thing and Carolina has been hit hard as hell this year. And uh, it's hopefully it ebbs and flows and, you know, maybe next year we get lucky and it's kind of an injury year like the year prior where we didn't have very many. Um, So, yeah, we'll just go from there and, and, and see what happens.
0: No. Ricky, can you remember I me and Bryce talking about this last week. can you remember last time Carolina's had this many injuries along just the starting offensive defense? No I mean, it's man.
2: crazy I, I, no it's nuts like there's always an injury bug right for every team at some point you hit like a man two people at the same time in one game that's crazy. but we're losing like a starter a game and for six straight games and and on both sides because we're already been down Corbett for the whole year because of last year's injury. Um no, I can't remember it, man. And and honestly, I hope to forget it pretty soon. I hope that we get healthy and and just stop this whole thing, man. Like it Bryson said it earlier. Please stop. Like, please, 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 just whatever it is, move on to the next thing. If this is some sort of sick Halloween thing where we're just getting spooked for the first two months of the season, move on now, man. Like let us get our uh our, our joyous holiday shit going for the rest of the year, you know. Absolutely. all right let's talk
0: about the trade market here because that's been the talk of the town these well the really the bye week since everyone is off and we're just scrounging for any content we can get our hands on but um <laughs> we got the trade deadline coming up next week Halloween mm-hmm. uh very fitting for that um especially with this panther season but let's let's start with the TMj news because um that has been swirling and he has since responded but you haven't heard by now, there it is. Jeremy Fowler tweeting out that Terrace Marshall Jr. received permission to seek a trade. The most interesting note of it all is at the end. He is welcome back if no trade is found, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. But <laughs> typically when something like this happens, a guy's released um, at this point. But what do you guys think? We'll talk. We'll start with TMJ and we'll go with a couple other guys here shortly. But tmj thoughts about him his role you know last year this year uh, what has happened with uh his decline and if you had to pick a team where do you see him going off to trade value that type of thing we'll start with ricky all right so
2: <laughs> i don't know man i i hear you on like the normally when this happens the guy's waived and he's gone I don't know that TMJ is going to go anywhere. Um, The reason I say that is that I think that there is still an outside chance that Thomas Brown looks at Terrace Marshall Jr. and says, I could still get something out of this guy. Like, I could still use this guy. I compared his situation kind of similar to Van Jefferson um, in L.A., where prior to this season, you know, when Cooper Cup went down the year before, And they had some changes on that offense. Van Jefferson started looking like he was ready to step up and do some stuff. They brought in Tutu Atwell, drafted Puka Nakua, and all of a sudden he became expendable, right? Because those guys were playing really well. I'm not saying that our guys have been playing so exceptionally well that Terrace Marshall Jr. is expendable, but I think that he's become a forgotten thought because they haven't been using him in the proper way. I think that if you start giving him some of these downfield opportunities – and stop just throwing digs and out routes and screen passes to him, I think that there's a chance that Thomas Brown says, hey, man, I've got value with you. I could get you the ball. I know that's what you want. You said you want a bigger role. Where are you going to go to get a bigger role right now? You haven't proven anything. Nobody is going to take you on for a fifth-round pick and throw you into a starting contributing role. I also think that he's got a really good relationship with DJ Chark and that – he would listen to the advice of a veteran receiver that has kind of moved around a few times and said, look, man, if you don't have to burn this bridge and you can do something next year, but you get playing time for the rest of this year, see it through, because it may turn around for you. So if I had to say, I think he stays on the Panthers, to be completely honest. Bryson, what about you?
1: Yeah, I agree with Ricky. I I don't know if there's really much of a market for him out there. I think statistically this year he is – Second last, second to last in the league of, uh, ne- according to the next gen stats, and I think uh, separation uh, in the league uh, really just, of course, hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity. Uh, like Ricky says, with jump balls, which is what he, you know, he kind of excelled with at the end of the year last year. Uh, and I do think that maybe uh, Thomas Brown does give him more opportunity to do that. But I mean, to be quite honest, I, you know, I talked about it last week. Bryce hasn't really thrown a whole lot of 50-50 balls at this point in his career. Sure. He hasn't really – which I don't blame him. He doesn't really have that much trust in his receivers as a whole right now. So uh, maybe that's something that they work on over the bye week with Thomas Brown's offense. And, you know, just throw, throw 88 the ball and, and give him a chance if he's 1-1. on And, you know, have have some buy-in to your receivers. But, uh, yeah, I, I just – I don't see – the point really in trading Terrace Marshall unless he's just, you know, a cancer in the locker room and just want to get him out of there. Kind of like a Robbie Anderson kind of thing. But I don't see that with Terrace Marshall just from the interview that he did. And right. um, I think he's just frustrated, you know, like, like a lot of people in this team when you're Owen six and you know, your, your production's lacking and you kind of feel like it's, not your fault, but it kind of is. And, you know, it's just like, okay, well maybe I'll just get a new start somewhere else. But yeah. I think going through these, these trials and tribulations is what makes players, players in this league and uh, and, and good players that is. And yep. I think that, you know, Terrace could grow from this and and become that number one or number two receiver that we've been looking for. So hopefully that's what happens because I have been a huge TMJ fan Throughout his time in Carolina, he's dealt with some injuries, dealt with bad quarterback play, mm-hmm. um, and, and now he's got a really good quarterback. And I think that just so far this season, the scheme hasn't been there uh, for him and, and his role in this offense. So maybe that changes after you know this comes out and a new offense, uh, new offensive coordinator calling the plays, and maybe they try to make him a priority going forward.
0: I don't know, man. I think he's gone. I do. I don't, I don't see him All right. Like I don't see him sticking around. I just think the writing was on the wall in training camp. And I think we were all kind of naive to just kind of push it to the side. I remember Dave from PMP shout out to him because I remember in the spaces early in training camp, he said he was wide receiver five and everyone in that space is like, hell no. And thought he was crazy. And here we are. And this guy's, a you know, has permission to seek a trade now. So I think, I don't think this staff has really thought highly of him up to this point and, and what the previous regime valued in him. And I just feel like he's on the outs. I think they're going to just try to get whatever they can get for him and chip him off. And I think he's – I mean, I think there's teams out there that could be interested. Bengals come to mind. Um, 49ers, I thought, had some interest in him earlier in the draft. Um, but I think they're just going to try I – mean, whether it's a – you know, whatever you want to value him at seventh, seventh, fifth, whatever, fourth, whatever you want to give them um, round value at. I think, uh, I think, I think Carolina is going to try to fetch X. I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. And uh, obviously that's one guy, um, you know, they're, they're willing to listen to offers on or willing to allow him to try to seek out an offer. So there's I don't a, know. I just, a... I just don't see it. I don't see him yeah. on this roster after um,
2: next week. So there's something that could also play into what you're saying here. If you go the other way of what I was saying about maybe with Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator, maybe he gets him involved. It's also possible that when that move was made, Thomas approached him and said, hey, look, man, like you've been on the outs. I think that's probably the way this goes. Um, We're going to let you look for a better opportunity. You're a young player. It's not that we don't like you. It's just that we like some other things that we have going right now. And with me calling the plays and, and personnel packages, Maybe he does think that he can go another way with it, right? Um, There's another team, if that is the case. Detroit Lions just lost um, Marvin – what's –
0: Jones. Jones. Marvin Jones.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, Sorry, I poured my second beer while we were doing that, so I I lost that last (laughs) name. Um, Marvin Jones is gone for family uh, personal matters, so – Maybe that's a team that I mean, they look like they need a big body field stretcher as well. They lost DJ last year. And, you know, when DJ Chart came back for that team when he was injured, they that coincided with that little run that they made. He had three games of like 95 or plus yards in a, in a five game stretch and really opened up that field and opened up that offense for Ben Johnson. I could see that being a possibility. They're a contender that would buy low on a guy like him and, and see what happens. Right. Maybe they start using Jameson Williams in different ways. DMJ
0: for Jameson Williams,
2: straight up. Who says no? Oh, Detroit 500 (laughs) times in a row. To be fair, though, man, Jameson Williams hasn't done anything other than like the one touchdown catch every three games, and then he disappears. So it's a very similar trajectory to what Terrace Marshall is capable of doing, to be honest, just different kinds of players.
0: I wonder if Denver would be interested, too, maybe flipping with – I mean, obviously, I think there would be picks involved, too, with you know a Sutton or a Judy – and just kind yep. of flipping positions type thing, yep. you know, change of scenery maybe.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, I uh, uh, just speaking of Jamison Williams, started him in fantasy this week and got me a Oof. big
0: old zero. Oof. Man, that's rough <laughs> business. Yeah, that's yeah. that's brutal. Yeah. All right, let's talk about let's talk about another trade, uh, and it's Dante Jackson. Did not expect this one to come up, to be totally honest with you guys, uh, but Jeremy Fowler on the Panthers beat again. Um, he, he, you know, he's reported that the Panthers have received an inquiry into Jackson. Uh, he's obviously on a pretty reasonable contract right now. Uh, when, when you look across that cornerback, um, the cornerback salaries, but he interesting there's, there's just been an interesting line in every one of these, but quality corners are hard to give up. So he's considered less available than Terrace Marshall Jr. And then Jeremy Chinn. obviously he's hurt now, but <clears throat> Less available because he's a quality corner. Do you guys think <laughs> – I kind of know where – Bryce. I know where Bryson stands on this. But, Ricky, do you think Dante Jackson is a quality corner? Man. Um,
2: <laughs> are you sure you don't want to just go to Bryson and just let him speak to the group? <laughs> um, I know. So, I, I, Dante Jackson could be decent at a couple things if he was in – very situational usage um as a starting cornerback in the nfl i i think that that achilles injury took away his biggest thing right his speed i don't think he has that burst anymore man and if it was ever more apparent look first of all nobody should press Tyreek Hill um and and <laughs> challenge like that and yeah. and especially when it's cover four i had called it cover two and I, and I was corrected by that it was actually cover four so that Safety, Matthias Farley actually was doing what his assignment was technically. Still seems funny to be close, but um, pressing Tyreek Kill is a really bad idea for anybody. It's a terrible idea for a dude coming with a new attached Achilles. And he got shown real quickly that his elite speed is no longer there. I, I don't know, man, how anyone has inquired about his services other than to ask, are we sure we want to keep him? Like... Is it, is it not? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's a miscommunication here. Maybe somebody inquired and we're like, hey, are you, you guys know you have Dante Jackson starting for you? <laughs> maybe that was the inquiry as opposed to like, can we have Dante Jackson starting for us? Not trying to be mean to the guy, but CJ Henderson and Troy Hill have looked way better than him yeah. so far this year. Dante had a good play in the Saints game. You remember that? We can always remember that. Like, that was a good play, man. Um, but yeah. we've played six weeks. And, and I can point to one play where I felt good about Dante Jackson. So that's my answer. My
1: favorite play of Dante Jackson's is uh, is that one right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that Was, that,
0: was, that, was that Tyreek Hill? <laughs> that was hard to see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. that, that, that was Dante,
1: like, Doing flying through the end zone tr- yeah. trying to make a tackle. Um, yeah, I've been a, a Dante Jackson um, – disliker i wouldn't even say a hater because it's not really hating when you're not good but uh, i've I've been a a disliker uh for a while and uh i think you know obviously with the dolphins game we saw a lot of his issues i mean tyreek hill is the fastest person in the nfl but it's not specific to tyreek hill coverages it's specific to every game it seems like and i think even we saw more from deshaun jameson when he was tasked with the best wide receiver in the NFL, more from him in that game, uh, the undrafted rookie from Texas that we picked up off a practice squad, than we have from Dante Jackson in like two years in Carolina. So uh, ultimately I understand he's got some speed and he makes a play every now and then, but I wouldn't call him a quality corner. I I, I would not call, call him a quality corner. And I don't think that there's very many people that would besides maybe this front office who's, playing favoritism or trying to boost his value in a trade. But, yeah, uh, no, not a quality corner.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't I would say quality. And I've been, mm. to an extent, a sympathizer with Dante Jackson over the years. Um, I, I would say serviceable. I think he's serviceable in some aspects. I don't think yeah. he's awful. Yeah, And I think on some teams that are down injuries, I could see why people are inquiring um i thought i saw somewhere today cbs was reporting maybe philly reaching out on him um and i might i might be saying i, th- I thought it was philly in the report that uh, a team that they could see uh you know target dante with injuries yeah. so that's an o- i mean that's an option there's a really elite defense throwing him in there he obviously wouldn't be the number one but i i think that's the type of you know guy where you can kind of fit him into that you know that three roll or whatever you want to pinpoint it on the defense. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I would, I would dish him. I mean, I would dish him at at this point um, and see what these young guys got. I think, you know, bringing in Troy Hill, uh, he's shown a lot of promise. And and I know we want to give Scott Fitter a lot of, you know, gripe lately, and he deserves it. But some of these, you know, pickups that they've gotten just out, you know, a couple of weeks right before the season, Troy Hill, we talk about Jameson. Yeah, that safety they picked up that knows Frank Reich last week. You know, some of those pickups have played some pretty big roles and some key moments in these games. Obviously, they haven't, you know, helped out in victories. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I say, feel that, like – The Matthias
2: Farley one might
0: be one of well, like, Troy Hill has been now. a pretty bright spot for this team, I mean, yeah. with yes. all things considered. so. Yes. Um, Absolutely. yeah, I would, I mean, see what you got out there. And if you got to dish him, I think it's now, and he's on a favorable contract too. So I think that's going to help with his value. So. I think that
2: you're right about him being serviceable in the right situation though. That's that it's, you said it a whole lot nicer than what I was trying to say when I was explaining how I felt about him. But if you don't have him on the boundary playing one of the premier receivers for an offense, I do think that he has some ball hawking ability that can still work in a zone mentality. I don't think that he is a terrific man-on-man defender anymore. I don't know that he has that shadowing ability. I He still wants to play physical, but he's a, he's a pretty small dude. You know what I mean? And every now and then you see him get bulldozed too. So I think a smart coach with a deep roster could get some usage out of Dante Jackson.
0: All right, let's talk about moving forward here. These next couple of weeks, because it's it's this is supposed to be the easy part of the schedule, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without giving away what you think is um, or the score of this game this weekend. Um, when do you guys think the Panthers get their first victory? Is it this weekend? Is it a week a week from now? Is it a couple of weeks? Is it they're not they're and seventeen? When do the Panthers get their first fucking win of the season? Because it is overdue.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll go first. I think that after this weekend, Frank Reich will be five and zero as a head coach after the bye week.
2: Yeah, interesting, Ricky. I'm, I'm in agreement. Um, I think that this will be the first of three consecutive wins this week. Mm. Wow! And, 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 and man, wow, don't wow. get me wrong. I understand you guys how much of in a... during the bye week. Yeah, you man, UTR I understand. You lost yeah, I know I am. Yes, 100%. That makes me sound like an absolute addict. I get it. Um, and I kind of am to an extent, man. Like I'm, I am a hopeless optimist for the Carolina Panthers. But I also, man, I'll tell you this. I truly believed what I said about this team to start the year that they were going to win 10 games. I think that this roster is still built to win. I don't think that they're built to win a Super Bowl. I think that they were built to win this NFC South. And it is still... The craziest part about all this, man, is that it's still within reach right now, and 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 that sounds asinine to even suggest. I'm not trying to say that we should plan on that or that we should, you know, block off Mint Street for the parade or anything like that. That's not what I'm insinuating. We're three and a half games out. The Saints are bad. Derek Carr sucks. That's just the truth of the matter. Desmond Ritter, he got us in Week One. I don't think he'll get us again, even with a patchwork defense. Baker Mayfield has started to look a whole lot more like Baker Mayfield these past four weeks than he did the first two. Bryce Young has started picking up. With Thomas Brown, with people getting healthy, I still just think, man, that we weren't that wrong about this roster. We have run into a sledgehammer of adversity to start this season. And I would almost rather go ahead and have that happen at the beginning and then start catching people by surprise at the end when everybody is healthy and we get some momentum and start developing towards the latter part of the season. C.J. Stroud's a very good quarterback. Bobby Slowick has them playing extremely efficient, good football on the offensive side. They can't run the ball very well. That's good for us, right? And, And now they said the same thing about Minnesota. Minnesota ran it for like 140 on us. So, yeah, we still could be in trouble, but they have some holes in their defense as well that I think we can exploit. Derek Stingley will still be out. Then you go past that, man. I mean, I I just think that there is realistic reason to think that this Panthers team coming out of the bye could be much better than what we saw.
0: Bryson, are you and Ricky smoking the same shit or what? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, I I tweeted not too long ago. It was like, uh, you know, they're three, three and a half games out now uh, of first place in the NFC South. They have four games left against division opponents. They have the easiest stretch of their schedule coming up. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're getting healthy on the offensive line, uh, healthier on the offensive line. I mean, I, I wouldn't I, – I don't think it would be shocking for Carolina to come out and win a couple games, uh, especially with the Texans, the Colts with Gardner Minshew and the uh, Bears with Tyson Badgett from Shepard University. Score, they're scoring
0: 20-plus points a game. Did you see that stat the other – I think we saw on Twitter today, Colts. With Minshew. I mean, they're scoring I, I ridiculous yeah. amount of points. James Tyson hasn't playing a good ball.
1: Yes, he, he does. He, I, I think their offense is uh, one of the best, especially for a first-year coach in, in the league. Um, but uh, they also turn the ball over a lot. So yeah. I, I, I do think that if Carolina can, can come out and play decently on offense, not hurt themselves, not shoot themselves in the foot, the defense can have a remnant, a sniff, of of what we know Carolina Panthers' defense to be, then this team could, could win some games. Because, one, I, I have a lot of faith – and Bryce Young. Um, mm-hmm. I, from what I've seen so far this season, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, he has played behind a terrible offensive line. He's had absolutely no help besides, besides Adam Thielen on the offense, and he's still grown every single week that he's played in the NFL. So uh, I think all, all I'm going to say is, like I said in that tweet, don't let this offense get hot because yep. I am going to be talking reckless, okay? I'm going to be yep. reckless on here. I'm going to be <laughs> reckless on Twitter. i will be reckless yep. everywhere.
0: Just, just high and reckless. That's what I'm gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm. You do I'm, pe- yeah. I'm the pessimistic one, which I usually am not at all. Um That's usually me. Yeah. I just. Such I, a shame, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have such a cheery demeanor to you, though, man. Come on. Oh and say, <laughs> oh and
0: six. I just, I'm, I've lost hope. If they can get a couple wins this season, I'll be happy. I don't think playoffs what? are attainable.
1: You answer the question. When are the, when's their first win coming?
0: Oh yeah, I should answer the question I asked you guys. I think Bears. I think the Bears week is the one I have circled um, with Justin Fields injury. I think that team was pretty incompetent to start the year, even with him at the helm. Um, but I think that's a, a real possibility. I think they have a chance this week, and I think they have a chance over the next couple of games. Obviously, it's a easier part of the schedule if you want to call it that for an zero six team, but I just think that Stroud is gonna to be too much and I, I hate that because I want I want Bryce to ball out this week and I really do because I'm tired of listening to all the people that didn't want Bryce Young and who loved CJ Stroud or wanted Anthony Richardson so yeah, yeah. I really do hope <laughs> he proves me wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think that there's going to be a lot of that. I think this is going to be the most personal game for Bryce Young so far in his NFL career yep. because yep. I think that the offense is is going to rally around him and kind of – and I know he's probably, you know, even in his own mind, is like, I I, I want to prove that I was the right pick. And yeah. uh, he'll, he would never come out and say that or anything like yeah. that because he's not that kind of guy, but he's human. And uh, yeah. if I was in his situation, I would feel the exact same way. So I do think that this is going to be the most personal game for Bryce Young, and I do think that this is going to be his best game as a pro. I've said that every single game that yep. he's played. and uh, But I, I feel like this week's different. I really yeah. do. and there, There's a lot of buy-in, I'm sure, with Thomas Brown's offense being implemented yeah. on that offensive side of the ball, getting Corbett back. I feel like there's too many things going right right now for a season full of wrongs, uh, you know, when you're 0 6, you can't jinx anything. Uh, I think that everything's going right right now. So, if you don't have hope to win this game, you're not going to have hope at any point this year.
0: You know,
2: to your point, we asked uh DJ Chark about that today about is there any mention about this whole Bryce versus CJ thing coming into this Texans game, right? Obviously, you don't expect him to say, yeah, man, we were just chatting it up about it the whole time. That's what's really fueling us, right? He was like, nah, man, like no one's saying it. No one has said it, but it's the elephant in the room. Everyone is well aware of what this game has inside of it. It's a game. Every game you battle. But I asked him specifically, I was like, yeah, but you want to go out there and battle for your guy, right? Like this is the one where you want to go out there and help him prove a point. He said, yeah, absolutely. 100%. They know that there is an extra layer to this game. Doesn't mean that it's added motivation. It doesn't mean that that's why they're trying to win. They want to win because they're 0-6. And these are professional football players that are sick and tired of getting their ass kicked on Sundays, right? Um, he also made mention, though, that we just played the two most dynamic offenses probably on our schedule back-to-back coming into this. Yeah, That's not the case for these upcoming offenses. And that's no disrespect to these guys. You know, you you were talking about the Colts scored 20-plus or whatever a game, even with Minshew. They also allowed, what, 38 to a half arm Deshaun Watson and P.J. Walker. So that's if that's the case, and, and that's without Jerome Ford going out, and you have Kareem Hunt who's limping around, and then it's Pierre Strong Jr. Like, I'm just saying that if these other teams can put up that kind of offensive standpoint against that defense – I'm not overly concerned about our offense sputtering out, right? Especially not if we get that first win against Houston, go into it with a little bit of momentum. I'm actually more scared about that Bears game than I am about the other two. That DJ Moore revenge aspect, I don't want anything to do with that, man, because you have already seen when he played against the Commanders on primetime, when that dude has some motivation and some some stars you know, aligned above him in the bright lights, man, he, he puts you on your ass by himself man
0: he but i think way. they're gonna have jc horn back by then i really do they better. That I so. better i hope so i hope so because if they I mean, don't is, man. That, week 10? <laughs> is that week 10 by then that's week 10 yeah so i mean you would think by that point you should have him but we'll Maybe, see man
2: but you, normally when you get surgery on a hamstring dude you're done for the year and i know they said it was a different kind of surgery it wasn't like reconstructive or something like that. Is that was the um differentiating factor to hit the surgery Typically, when you get surgery on a hamstring, dude, you're done. So yeah, I'm not a hundred percent banking on him coming back, especially if, dude. I mean, what if we are zero and eight going into that? Yeah. Yeah. You want to bring him back for that? I I don't know, man. Yes, I do because I don't want to keep losing, <laughs> right? And I also want to see him earn a contract for next year as opposed to just sitting out and getting paid. So I don't know, dude.
0: Tough. All right let's let's go to the let's go to predictions score for this game. Bryson, I'll start with you and then we'll go to Ricky.
1: Yeah, uh, I think just going off what we've what we talked about um, just a minute ago, I do think Carolina is going to win this game. Uh, I have hope that things have turned around in the bye week. And, you know, I obviously I'm biased and I'm sure every Texans fan think that this is going to be an easy win. and uh, And it's the opposite for us. But. I do buy into the Bryce Young wanting to win this game more than any other game so far this year. Uh, And I want, I buy into him wanting to prove a point. Um, I hope the defense has corrected some of their issues. Uh, I don't see how with the injuries that they've had, but uh, maybe we do get Von Bell or Xavier Woods or some of those guys back. And that, that would help significantly. Um, I think Carolina wins this game. I think it's not a high scoring game. Uh, And I think it's close. So
2: I'll I'll say Carolina 20, uh, um, Texans 17. Reggie? Yeah, I like that. Um, You look at the last four games for the Texans, right, and what they've given up. They've given up 13, 19, 6, and 17. So they're not allowing a ton of points. But that defense has holes, man. Like, I'm just not sold that they're as good as what those numbers look like. I actually think that this is where we go a little bit higher on offense than we normally do, and I think that we win this one 27-19. And I have no analysis for it. I don't want to do any analysis because I feel like every time I start talking about why we're going to win, I end up talking myself into, oh, no, never mind. I want to change it. So 27-19, we're going to win, and we're all going to be happy as hell.
0: Yeah, I I think they're going to lose this game, the Panthers. I I initially had – 2017, but then I remember that this defense has just been giving up points after points and the injuries have been just keep, they just keep coming. So I'm going to change my, I'm going to go 27-24. Houston wins this game, close one, but Panthers fall short in the end. You're like a Bond villain when you predict these games, dude. It's like
2: <laughs> you could never, ever – it's just terrible. I, I was terrified when you started talking. He's like, yeah, they're going to – and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, Curtis is usually the,
1: the optimistic, uh, you know, man. let's let's continue to give Matt Rule a chance guy, and uh, now he's – Oh, so that's what the, it is. Uh...
2: He's, he's a scorned Panthers <laughs> fan. Like he's just not trusting anybody until they give him a reason to. I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you want some of the stuff that me and Bryce have? Because I mean we can I, I might need it. I mean about
0: it. when you go to these games every freaking home game oh and you watch God. them lose and get booed out of your own fucking stadium, it's yeah, it's yeah. hard to be hopeful. That's but. taxing. Yeah. Ricky, we just want to thank you again for taking the time out. I know you got your own stuff going on with Cat Crave and then the Kitty Lit podcast. If you guys are not following them go check them out. I believe you guys are on YouTube now, is that correct? We right. are. Yeah,
2: we're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, any of those things, man. You can find us everywhere.
0: And you have your Twitter handle, the lights above you. Right there. Pretty that sweet. Is, yeah, Thank that you, is sweet. Appreciate I Appreciate that. I, I I'm very jealous of that. That's <laughs> my, wife, okay. my
2: wife got that for me, man. Uh, she was sick of me doing podcasts and stuff, sitting in the living room at the dining room table with the blinds behind her. She was like, you look like an idiot. You sound great, but you look like an idiot. I was like, well, help me <laughs> out. then." She got me that. and I, I appreciate it very much, man.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And we appreciate your insight and, Obviously, go get, check out their latest podcast, GJ Chark. You had him on for a while. I mean, that was probably 40, 50 minutes, right, of him? Yeah, yeah, man.
2: DJ DJ was awesome, dude. And you know, there were some really cool parts about the podcast with him, too, because he's a big fan of The Office. Um, he's a big SpongeBob SquarePants guy. Um, he actually named his French Bulldog Dundee from The Office. Oh, okay. um, so we talked about favorite character, favorite episodes, talked about who had better fashion sense between him and Visca. Him and Visca are, like, really good buds. And um, so there's some really fun aspects to it, but there's also some really good insight, man, of him talking about Thomas Brown and this offense and what he has thought about what they've done so far, and and he's he's on board with what we've all talked about, man. He did not anticipate this team being this bad. So it, it's it's a sentiment that even the players feel, man. It's a good interview. Uh, check it out. I believe we actually are filming another one
0: on Thursday with another special guest. So. We're Ooh. trying our damnest to win the bye week. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for the latest episode of Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always...